Hello and welcome everyone. You are listening to The Crack. This is the podcast where I ask you, what's the crack? So what's the crack, guys? Let us know. Get in touch. You can email us at thecrackpodcastcontact at gmail.com. That's thecrackpodcastcontact at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at The Crack Podcast or reach us on Twitter where we are at Podcast Crack. Capital P on Podcast, capital C on Crack. So, guys, or should I say ghouls? <laughs> no, uh, today's episode it's going to be different than what the previous episodes have been like. Today I'm going to take full advantage of the nip of the cold air, of the dark reds and the orange leaves, of the nights getting darker and the days drawing to a close sooner. It is my favourite time of the year. It is autumn. Autumn has what I consider the best day of the year. Right after Christmas, my birthday and uh, payday. <clears throat> but that's right, guys. Halloween. So like I said, this will be a little bit different, and in the spirit of the season, I shall be telling you stories that I know, and also a few that have been shared with me, and I think that's the introduction. Alright, so, why don't you get yourself a cup of tea, maybe a hot chocolate or a coffee, if you've got nothing to do later on, you could maybe pour yourself a glass of wine or a cocktail, who's to judge? Cold beer could be nice. Actually, if you've got it, you can hit a bowl of that green shit. Roll yourself a nice fat doobie and burn that son of a bitch down to the roach. But alright guys, whatever you're taking to accompany these stories, sit yourself down by the fire. But first, turn the lights down, lock the doors, check the windows. Get comfortable. Our first story was sent to us from Finlay. And here we go. Hello the crack. This is not a ghost story with a twist or anything. It's a story that my stepdad told me. It happened over ten years ago. My personal involvement is brief. On the day it happened, the exact date I can't remember, it was in early autumn. We were going to the cinema in Inverness. I can't remember the film we saw, but whatever it was, it didn't grab my stepdad's interest. While me and my mum went to see the film, my stepdad decided to go for a walk to pass the time, and be back in time for the film to finish, then to take us home. He went on his walk, and walked all the way out to Culloden Battlefield. Before he was a dentist, my stepdad had been an officer in the army, reaching the rank of major before his career change. Marching for long distances didn't faze him. When he had decided he had walked far enough, or checked what the time was, I'm not sure, he turned around to begin his journey back. This was when he realised that his walking speed and the speed that the sun was going down did not favour one another. If he was to go back the way he came, it would mean walking along the main road in the dark. He calculated that if he took a shortcut across the battlefield at a brisk pace, he would be back in time for the film to finish and to take us home. With the sun setting and the temperature dropping, he set off. As he walked through the field, the grass was overgrown and it was dotted with molehills. 
his foot placed down on uneven terrain, and before he could adjust his body weight, the brisk pace he was walking at did him no favours, and he fell flat on his face. Right as he hit the ground, he heard someone shout from right behind him, Keep going, man! My stepdad, who was a level-headed, well-educated, reasonable man, turned around fully expecting to see the man attached to the voice, only to discover that there was no one there. He stood up, and in the fading daylight gave the area a good scan, searching for any signs of life. He was positive that he was the only one in the battlefield that evening. That's my ghost story. Feel free to make any changes to fit your structure. I'm enjoying your podcast. Keep it up. Happy Halloween, Finley. Well, happy Halloween, Finley. Thank you very much for sending that in. Spooky stuff. Uh, now, I, I like to read um, much basically all I can about paranormal and spooky stuff and stories about encounters with, you know, supernatural. Curiously, or unsurprisingly, depending on how you look at it, encounters with battlefield ghosts are not all too uncommon. Which, like I say, maybe not unsurprisingly, depends how you look at it. People did die there and all the emotions were high. Now, that could be something I do a more thorough talk about in a future episode. <laughs> What's the crack with Battlefield Ghost? But yeah, thank you very much, Finley. I'm glad your stepdad got back to pick you and your mum up. And I would like to add, because I have statistics for the podcast, and I know that there are two people in America who listen, and there's someone in Canada, and someone in South America. <laughs> Hi guys, thanks for listening. Uh, I'd just like to let everyone who listens who isn't familiar with the layout in this area, there's a lot of folk to do listen. Hi everyone, I live around here. Culloden Battlefield is a fair distance from the cinema in Inverness. Uh, so Finley, your stepdad must have walked with purpose. Uh, it's no wonder he had to take a shortcut back. It's a hell of a walk. Okay, moving on. So this next story is my own. It's my very own experience with The Unexplained. Which is rare, because it seems that people that really are into this sort of stuff don't really ever experience it. But then, maybe when you don't expect to see it, that's when you see it. Alright, anyway, cool, 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 cool. Uh, Alright, so, this story takes place in the distant past. Shit, <laughs> it actually was. This is around 2012 or 13. Fuck. Right, so, what happened? Okay, so, back at this time in my life, I was living in the blissful freedom that you don't know you have it until you realise that it's gone. And guys, it's never coming back. Back now. I wish I'd appreciate that time more. Anyway, by this point, I had left school. I was, of course, still living with my parents. And I had a great wee job that paid pretty fucking well for what I had to do and for what I got to do. Um, I was working at a theme park with almost all of my friends working there too. So we would spend all day fucking around at work and having a ball. Then we'd go home and get changed and have dinner and we'd all meet up again. But none of us had any girlfriends or kids or really anything to worry about. We were children with the freedom of adults. 
isn't that? And because of where we lived, we would go away out into the countryside. And this story must have happened past the height of summer because it was dark at night, uh, but we were still working. It was a seasonal job uh, packed in for winter. Like now, the end of October. Anyway, this particular evening, we'd been out and about. And we'd ended up back at our friend Liam's house. Uh, at the time, he was living just I said, a tiny wee village about four miles from the town I lived in. It was a great house. It was totally isolated. And that night, we'd been playing Call of Duty Zombies, which we played a lot of back then. And uh, as all times do, the evening came to an end. It was time for us to call it a night. I couldn't drive at this point, so my friend Andrew very kindly would drive me home. Thank you, Andrew. Seriously, man, I haven't forgotten how kind you were driving us about back then. So Andrew was driving me home, and he saw this too. So, credibility. And I remember this part well. Just as we set off from Liam's, we turned the radio on. <laughs> I say I remember it well. I don't remember which song was on, but I remember it was by Pulp. It was either Common People or Disco 2000, which are both great songs. And as what happens when I great songs on the radio, the volume got turned up very loud. But uh, the song came to an end, and the radio did that. Beep! 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 You know the noise the BBC do? It's when they let you know that it's the hour and the news is coming on. I think they're called the pips or the time signal. They've actually got a name. There's an actual definitive title for them. But you probably know the noise. Uh, but yeah, it means they're about to tell you the news. So we turned the volume down just a little. It wasn't off completely. It was still in the background. And we were still driving along. Now the part of the road we were approaching sort of goes downward before a very small bend. That's uh, very helpfully I'm making the movement with my hand. No, it's um, downward, and then you go round a bend that's like the edge. It's the, the corner of a field. But right before you go round the bend, be because the road slopes down, right before it, you can see the road way ahead, right to the top of the hill that you're soon going to be driving over. So we're going along. We're not talking, but the radio's on. Uh, we're approaching the bend. Just as we reach it, right before the road dips and we go around the edge of the field, I see a pair of car headlights coming over the hill in the distance. So we go around the bend, and at this point the road turns to a long straight, and it goes like... <laughs> Again, I made the movement with my hand there. And it goes down and then up gradually. It's parallel to the railway line. It's very long straight. It's a big dip. Uh, we keep driving along. And the source of the headlights are nowhere to be seen. So I sort of sit up a little bit, straighten up, and sort of scan the fields, look for any sign of the car. There's a house away to the left, but it's up a single track road, which you can see all of from the road, and there's no car on there. <sighs> Something in like, fuck, some poor cat just literally gone off the road right in front of us. Because it was there, and it wasn't. So I, I turn the radio down, and I say to Andrew something like, um, Hey man, did you see your... Hey man, I could have swore I saw it. He cut me off mid-sentence and said something like, No way, another car? And I was like, Yeah, you saw the headlights too? <laughs> he was like, Yeah, turn off my high beam. 
So now we're both on the same page. There was a car heading our way, and we should have passed it by now, but there was no sign. So Andrew slowed the car right down, and we both had a good look out for any sign of it. You know, like, um, we're looking for, like, uh, any, like, broken fences or flattened bushes or a car on its roof engulfed in flames. But there's nothing like that. All right, that was weird. Oh, well. Uh, we continue to crawl along, looking, and we get to the top of the hill. We get to the exact spot the car would have been for us to have seen the lights from where we were. And we... Uh... <laughs> I swear, guys, this is totally true. Uh, we get to the top of the hill, and we both look out my window, the passenger window, at the same time. And we... We don't see a car. We see... <laughs> we see along the part of the fence, at that part of the road, we see there's a bunch of flowers and wreaths that have been left there. Like when people leave tributes in remembrance at a scene of a death. So we get out of there. Like Finley's stepdad in the last story, you don't stop and say, you know, this is a ghost story. You just keep going. So like Finley's stepdad just walked back to the cinema. Myself and Andrew just both went home. I went to bed, went to sleep. And I was off the next day. And it must have been a weekend because both of my parents were in the kitchen the next morning when I sort of appeared to make like a bowl of Cocoa Pops or whatever. And I told them about the lights and the disappearing car and how there was all the flowers by the road and all that stuff. And my parents, my mum, by the way, um, she's way more willing to accept that there could be like a paranormal edge to something than my dad. But they were both pretty dismissive of the whole story. You know, they were like, um, Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. What were you smoking last night? What? Nothing. <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, but then my dad went over to his drawer. Oh, my dad has a drawer in the kitchen. That's for his shit and his shit alone. It's where he keeps his golf diaries. And golf diaries are like these little diaries that you get each season for being a member at a club. Uh, yeah, pretty basic. They've got the competition dates and stuff printed in them. And the list of all the members and their phone numbers. It's kind of weird, actually. But anyway, my dad never seems to throw them out. And he would write in them if something of no happened. Like, niece born. Or car, M.O.T. Jew. Man stuff. So my dad goes to his drawer. Takes out a diary from a few years before. And starts to flick through it. And he asks, without looking up, what time was it? So I start to roughly guess the time. I remember the radio playing the beep, beep, beep for the news. So I tell him the exact time, because that meant it was the hour, uh, to which he then gets the day in the diary. He looks up at my mum and says, five years to the exact moment that Ian died. Ian had been a local man who, five years previously, at that time, that exact hour, had been drink driving. Idiot. On that road. And he'd crashed and died there. Ooh. So who knows, guys? Who knows? And that was my unexplained experience. What happened exactly? I don't know. That's why it's unexplained. And full honesty, the, the drunk guy wasn't actually called Ian. I just didn't want to be using that guy's actual name. Uh, you know, it doesn't sit right. Seeing as this is a podcast 
for entertainment, and he did actually die. So, right, on with the show. But, don't drink and drive, guys. Okay. This next little slice of paranormal cake comes from my dear friend, Jamie. Hello, Jamie. <laughs> he, uh, he actually sent it to me, the voice recording. But you know what? I don't know how all this shit works. So I am going to read out what I've typed up from what he sent me. I'm not going to do an impression of him, though. He's got his own way of talking, as everyone does. I'm just going to read verbatim his audio recording. And here it is. So the one kind of ghost or paranormal thing that's happened to me is back. Must have been about between six and eight. So as you know, living at the bottom of the high street in Clintra, which I guess would be one of the older buildings in Grantown, maybe built around Victorian era, maybe just after. I would definitely say it was built before 1900, maybe. Yeah, I'd say around that time. Victorian. Certainly an old, old big house. As you know, you've been in my room. I remember that. The spaceman. Also, an old church right across the street, which I never thought much about when I was wee, but thinking about now, it's kind of creepy. I don't know. Is that a Baptist church? But nah. It's a church anyway. Already kind of spooky. So I. I just remember. I remember just lying in my bed, listening to the Harry Potter tapes on my CD tape player that I'd got for my birthday. And I was chuffed with it, because that's pretty new technology back then. I'm pretty sure my dad's still got it somewhere, but, you know, it's pretty old. But anyway. But there I was lying in my bed, listening away to Harry Potter. And the tape deck would, when it came to the end of the tape, it would, it would stop. But to stop it at any point before the end, you'd have to press down the stop button. And this stop button, as most tape players had, a uh, spring. So it would just automatically go down. You know it had a spring, so you had to physically push it for it to stop. So I was listening away, and all of a sudden the tape player stops. And like, that can't be the end of the tape, because it's pretty much just started. So I go up and look, and I see that the tape, the stop button had been pressed down. Which, instantly I was kind of scared about. And just to make sure, I mind pressing play. And the tape kept on playing. So I don't know how that happened. It never happened again afterwards. But yeah. I remember being scared and running straight down the stairs. Because my mum and dad were still awake. So I don't remember having that back in my room again. But still to this day, I'm not sure what happened. Maybe. Maybe it was a malfunction with the machine. But like what I said. Because it was pretty basic technology. There's less chance something could go wrong. It was just a spring-loaded stop button. I'm sure you know what I mean. So yeah, I don't really know that one. Strange. Strange one. I don't really know what time it was either. It would be strange if it was around Halloween. But I can't remember that much. But yeah. Cool. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. I do remember that house. I actually remember being at a Halloween party. At that house, which was probably 20 years ago tonight. <sighs> and I think you're totally right about the date of the house being built. Um, they're all Victorian houses down the end of the town. 
and I was being a right little creep, so I had a look on Google Street View, but I couldn't see any like wee year carved into the stonework, you know, above the door. But yeah, they're all the Victorian houses. Uh, I understand what you're saying about the basicness of the technology being less likely to malfunction. If it was like a touch, if it was like a touch screen with computer chips and stuff, um, it made more sense to go wrong to malfunction. Uh, but the way it's mechanical, in a way that seems more reliable. That's weird, man. It's weird how the button was actually pressed down. Now I remember those tape players. Click. You know, they were hardy. Yeah, it wasn't like it just stopped. The button had been pressed. Eerie shit, man. Maybe the ghost uh, just really didn't like Harry Potter, though. <laughs> I know the exact tapes you're talking about. I think I had the first one. The Philosopher's Stone. It was Stephen Fry used to read them. Oh, memories. Uh, yeah, thank you, Jimmy. Right, guys. This next one is my mother's experience. I sent her a message asking her if I could tell the story, and she said yes. So thank you, Mum, if she's listening. Very nice if she was. Uh, so this isn't her words. This is me typing up her story. Okay. This story happened several years ago. All of these stories did. Surely there's people out there right now having ghost encounters, but um, all of these stories happened years ago. So anyway, this story took place several years ago. This was when I was in my early teens, and at the time my mum had several jobs. This one was the one she would do in, on evenings, uh, weekends, school holidays. Uh, she was doing home care. She did it through a business. I think it was actually at the council, but she would also do it privately as well. And this was privately, this experience, because um, at the time she was doing home care for a very rich old lady, who I'm going to call Mrs. Karen. But that's not her name. But in this story, guys, she's called Mrs. Karen. Mrs. Karen lived alone in a... It uh, wasn't quite a mansion, but you know, it was like a massive old house. It was completely isolated in the woods. Like, you wouldn't know the house existed if you didn't know it was there. If that makes sense. You had to turn off the main road and then go down a windy single track road and then eventually turn again and go down just a mud track. And then before you knew it, this house emerged from the trees. Yeah, it was fantastic. And the place itself, though, it was very Scooby-Doo or like something out of Cluedo. You know what I mean? Um, big portraits in the walls. Long hallways with wooden floors. There's thick wooden stair banisters. A drawing room, a music room, library. Grandfather clocks. Antiques everywhere. Spooky as fuck. And the lady that my mum went out there to care for, Mrs. Cairn, by this time, her health had got to the point. Her health had declined so badly to the point that she lived in one room. She had an armchair diagonally across from her bed. She had a TV across from the armchair. There was a small ensuite bathroom with a shower, but that was it. Uh, she never left this space. She had all that massive house and all that wealth and fortune, but that's how she ended up in the end. It's genuinely, you know, it's a hell of a shame. Uh, from what I understand, because I never met her, I think my sister did, um, I never met her, 
I believe she was a genuinely very nice lady. But she certainly grew up in a very different world than many of us. So anyway, like I said, at this point her health really wasn't great and she required 24-hour observation. I don't mean like doctors constantly monitoring her blood pressure and stuff, but more like... Really, to be honest, guys, I think if she wanted someone around 24 hours, she could certainly afford it. So she had someone around 24 hours. Uh, the day staff would rotate shifts and things, but from what I remember, there was a lady who had a flat attached to the house, and she always did the nighttime stuff. I think she was a qualified nurse, actually. But in full honesty, guys, I am not sure about these details. I'm just giving them to you as sort of, just to bulk the story out, make you sort of understand the situation. Uh, but basically, the lady who always worked nighttime was gone, and my mum was going to cover it for the few nights that she was gone. And it wasn't full-on night shifts. It wasn't like when you have to stay awake and do a list of chores. Um, it was seeing that Mrs. Karen got her nighttime and morning routine seen to. So give her her dinner, give her whatever medication was required, bed routine, get her to bed. Staff member would then get to go and sleep themselves. But then in the morning they had to get up first, make breakfast, get more medication, get Mrs. Karen up, clean, dressed, get her in her armchair for the rest of the day. That sort of thing. Well, that was fine. For whatever reason, my mum wasn't staying in the lady's flat, probably because at the end of the day it was the lady's flat. And there was, actually, I know, shock, a designated guest room in this massive house. And it was right over the other side. And I've seen it, very small. The room, not the house. The house is fucking massive. So my mum was out there doing her job, and all was well, and she got the lady to bed. So my mum made her way through the house and up the stairs and got into her bed for the night. She read for a little while before calling it a night and trying to sleep. It wasn't a stormy evening with clashes of thunder or flashes of lightning. It's nothing as dramatic as that. I'm assuming the weather was quite still. Regardless of the weather, my mum couldn't sleep. I mean, the bed is probably older than her. And she had a baby monitor on the bedside table in case Mrs. Carey needed or wanted anything during the night. So my mum had the constant sound of Mrs. Kerr breathing gently, as well as all the antique and grandfather clocks in the house making some sound every 15 minutes before losing their fucking minds. You know, bongs, dings, chimes. Every hour. So no sleep for mum. But alright, let's get spooky. After a couple of hours of trying to sleep and just no luck, I think my mum had just made peace with the fact that it might not happen and just lay there looking at a spot on the wall when she felt her head begin to rise up on the pillow because someone was sitting down on the other end of it. I don't know why we're doing this situation. Probably the same as my mum, to be honest. She lay there staring at the wall, keeping her cool, shitting herself, but keeping her cool, trying to rationalise the situation. It can't be Mrs. Cairn. She wouldn't be able to get out of bed, get down the hall, get up the stairs and get into the room without assistance. The door to the bedroom was at the end of the wall that my mum was staring at and it had been firmly closed on light. Furthermore, because of the age of the door, the doorknob made one hell of a noise when it was turned and there had been no such noise. So that meant, guys, someone must have been hiding under the bed for hours waiting for her to fall asleep. And that is creepy as fuck. So she decided to scream. But she couldn't. 
She could open her mouth and struggle to take in a breath, but couldn't squeeze out any sound. But that didn't matter. Her head started to lower as the pillow depressed. Whoever had sat on the other side of it was now standing up. Frozen with fear, and being fully aware that she was not sleeping, did not comfort her, because even to be trapped in a horrible nightmare would be better than to be awake and have a stranger in the room. So like I said, this unknown person had stood up. My mother watched as it silently moved in front of her as it passed from the head of the bed to the chair by the window. It moved deliberately and slowly. Now I say it instead of he, because even though it was the shape and size of a man, a man it was not. This thing was fully three-dimensional, but it was completely and solidly black. Even though it seemed to be wearing clothes, they were completely black as well. My mother watched the figure, and somehow felt a lot calmer after seeing that it wasn't actually an intruder, but instead some sort of entity. Stranger. She watched it walk down the length of the room and approach the chair in front of the window before turning around and sitting down. She got a good look at it, so to say. She got to see that it was solid. It blocked out the light from the window behind it. It was wearing a hat, an old-fashioned one, fedora like what Indiana Jones wears. My mum adjusted herself in the bed and almost in reaction to this, apparently the thing didn't seem to mind being seen, in reaction, the figure crossed one leg over the other before resting its elbow on the raised knee. It then brought its closed fist up and rested its chin on it, watching my mum. Now guys, ain't that some spooky shit. But what's crazy is that she stayed the night and went back again the following evening for another shift. But wait, there's more. <laughs> Months later. Oh, guys, who's that behind you? Who's that unknown figure watching you listen to this podcast? The smiling man with the axe. <laughs> Did you check? <laughs> Sorry, guys. So, yeah, there, there's more. <clears throat> Months later, Mrs. Cairn's goddaughter's sister came up for a visit, and my mum got talking to her. And this lady was old. That's how old Mrs. Cairns was. Her godkids were old, and they got talking, and conversation turned to ghosts. So naturally, my mum told of her experience, but she never mentioned that what she had seen had been wearing headwear. No, she didn't tell that part. And in return, the lady told my mum of her sister's experience when she had spent the night in the very same room. The lady's sister, Mrs. Cairn's goddaughter, had been up visiting and was staying the night in the guest room. And I don't know if she had a hearing aid that she removed or maybe she was brought up in an environment with them. But regardless, the antique clocks didn't seem to bother her and she managed to get to sleep right away. Until... At some point during the night, she was awoken. <gasps> because she felt a presence in the room. This lady, uh, she's from a different upbringing. So when she awoke to discover a figure, completely solidly black, standing in front of the window at the foot of the bed, watching her, she didn't panic. She identified it was a ghost or a creature from beyond, and simply asked it what it wanted, and if she could help it, 
The figure said nothing, and since she didn't get any malicious vibes from it, she went back to sleep. Simple as that. And that was the goddaughter's experience in the same room that my mum had hers in. So after they traded stories, the goddaughter's sister remarked how similar they were. And just as my mum opened her mouth to add that the figure she had seen had been wearing a hat, the goddaughter's sister added, Although I do believe she said it was wearing a hat. So there you have it, guys. It's confirmed there's hat shops in the afterlife. <laughs> Fuck. Something not nice about that, about being in bed, especially when you're sleeping. You're vulnerable. And the spirits know it. Right, so there's not too many stories. I'm afraid this is going to be the last one. Um, but first, a little bit about me. Me, 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 me. Uh, from a very young age, I was drawn to, you know, like like um, dark stuff. I've always been to paranormal, uh, scary, gruesome, true crime. Funnily enough, I don't like violence and gore. But a story that gives you chills, yeah, I love that shit. Um, yeah, when I was little, I would watch The X-Files with my dad. And my mum would read me goosebumps till I was old enough to read on my own. About 17 years old. <laughs> no, I'd read them until I was about 12 and I discovered Stephen King um, I've always had books about that sort of stuff from very childish poems about ghosts to adults fucking tone books about true horrors that I struggled to get through and I think some people are just made like that you know like um, some wee boys will wonder if they'll ever get to play football for their favourite team I used to wonder if I'd get to see Bigfoot in the woods it's just always been me, if that makes sense. Uh, so what's special? Yeah, what's sort of special about this next story? It's not particularly special. It's just that it's the very first ghost story I remember being told. It must have been about three or four. Um, and I've heard it several times since then. I've heard it from my mum, my dad, and both of the people involved in it at different points. And I don't know what the crack is. <laughs> What's the crack? I don't know what the crack is or the etiquette with using people's names. I used my friend's real names earlier. But that's because they like my mates, innit? Uh, but this isn't my story. So out of respect for the folks involved, I'll use different names. Um, but everything else is as I was told. <laughs> Sorry, that sounds like the text that started Fargo. At the request of the survivors, the names have been changed. Out of respect for the dead, the rest has been told exactly as it occurred. About right, guys. Okay, let's get the story started. First ghost story I was ever told. All right. Um, what am I going to call them? Barry and Heather were a young married couple. And I say were a young married couple because this story happened over 30 years ago. They are now a middle-aged married couple. But when this story happened, they were very recently married and child-free. They had moved into their first house, a new build. It's a nice wee bungalow. Nothing massive. There was enough space for them, for all they needed. There was no basement or attached garage, just a few rooms and an attic. There was a front door and a back door in the kitchen. And of course, <laughs> of course it had windows. But the country they live in isn't best known for its spiders and insects. But if you start talking about the country, they'll inevitably get 
Wait, I've changed the name. Yeah, cool. So the country they live in is Australia. Don't know why I was. Yeah, they live in Australia. And Australian insects. Jesus. So all their windows have got these metal screens over them to keep the insects out. And I don't know if that's because the homes were recently built and the screens were there to keep the beasties out. So not to put off any potential buyers when they came to view them. Or maybe just, and I wouldn't blame them. I've seen photographs. You don't want to come home to find that a spider the size of a Labrador has just popped in and eating your fucking cat. So I, screens in the windows. So Barry and Heather, they just moved in, tiny wee house, screens in the windows. One night they're both in bed sleeping and Heather wakes up. Barry's fast asleep beside her and she comes around and she focuses her eyes on the floor beside her bed. And as her eyes adjusted to the low light in the room, she slowly focuses and realises right beside the bed, right beside her, on the floor, there's a pair of work boots. And they are covered in, no, they're caked in mud. What makes it worse is that as she stared at the boots, Tired and confused, she comes to realise someone is actually wearing them. So with her eyes, she slowly follows up the boots. She sees the work trousers, looks over the flannel shirt and up to the face. But it's not Barry. It's a man she does not recognise standing there, looking down at her lying there. So she screams and she screams loud. The man beside the bed turns on the spot and starts walking out of the room. Barry, he uh, yanked from his deep sleep. He jumped out of the bed and switched on the light immediately. Uh, Barry's a big dude. He exercises to keep himself in shape. I think at this point he was in the, he might still be, uh, he was in the Australian Territorial Army or whatever their equivalent over there is called. TA, the reserves, I don't know. He was in the Australian one of that. He jumps out of bed. Heather's beside herself in terror. Barry sees the man walking out of the room and understandably thinks to himself, I'm going to fucking kill you. That's meant to be Australian. That was terrible. I'm going to fucking kill you. Can. And he goes out into the hall after him. But the guy's gone. So Barry runs to the door. Still locked, chain still up. All right, back door maybe. Same story, locked and bolted. Okay, check the rooms. So he's up, Heather's still in bed, shaking, she's terrified. Barry's going from room to room. It's a small place, it doesn't take long. He looks literally everywhere, he can't find him. And he notices the attic hatch. He thinks to himself, I'm going to be Australian again, guys. I don't know how you've done it, you can, but I've got you now. So he goes up to the attic and he has a look. There's no one there. He comes back down, checks all the windows. None of the metal screens have been moved or tampered with. But both him and Heather saw this man. The man who disappeared inside the locked house. And you know what, guys? Right beside the bed, there was mud on the floor. So there you have it, guys. A few ghost stories for Halloween.
Well, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> I hope they gave you chills at least once. A uh, special thank you to Finley and Jamie for getting in touch with their stories. It was wonderful to have participation. And I've really enjoyed getting to do this. Like I said, Halloween's my favourite time of the year. So happy Halloween, guys. I hope you bought sweeties for the geysers, even though they're not allowed to go out. So all the more sweeties for you. I'm going to call this a day here. Uh, I'll maybe go watch a scary film or something. Maybe Hocus Pocus. That's a great Halloween film. It's got the colours and the childish scares going just right. So everyone, take care. Don't forget to check your wardrobe and under your bed tonight. And if you wake up to see a figure all in black watching you sleep, check for Madden's boots. And if there's none, ask it what it wants. But okay, guys, thanks for listening. Until next time, take care, be good, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now, guys.